Welcome to the Vertical Church Podcast. Now here's Pastor Josh Butcher with today's message. Uh, One of the most dramatic moments in human history uh, happened in a random room in Jerusalem about 2,000 years ago. Jesus and his friends were gathering together for their last meal. It was the Passover meal. And if you're not familiar with what Passover is, it's the annual meal that Jewish families gather together to eat to commemorate the night before they left Egypt, the the night before God delivered their ancestors from Egyptian slavery. Uh, The Passover meal was a meal to remember God's faithfulness after 400 years of what looked like God's absence. Think about that, 400 years where the Jewish people lived as slaves, 400 years of praying and and seeking after God. Come on, like we've been in in COVID-19, what, seven weeks and it already feels like we can't take another, another week. But, but the Jewish people, 400 years of slavery, 400 years of harsh treatment. And finally, finally, God sent a deliverer by the name of Moses. And Moses stands up to the most powerful man on the planet, Pharaoh. And he says, let God's people go. And it's this dramatic moment, and God delivers the people. And then 1,400 years later, Jesus is sitting in this room with his friends, his disciples, and they're celebrating that event. They're commemorating that event with this meal. But the disciples are a bit distracted. They're a little bit bit perplexed. You see, things, things aren't going well. They've been following Jesus for a while, and his popularity was so high, crowds would follow Jesus. But now what's happened is his popularity has diminished. And in fact, the gospel writers, some of them note that that for Passover, they didn't go into Jerusalem by day. they, they, They stayed out in the country until nightfall because they had to, it was almost like they had to sneak in in order to celebrate Passover. And there was all this secrecy around where they were going to eat this meal. Uh, In fact, it's this really interesting story. Jesus didn't even tell them where to go. He just said, go into town and you're going to meet a guy and and you're going to ask this, where's the the Lord's Supper prepared, and uh, and he's going to take you to this place, and that's where you make preparations. It was like, it was this ridiculous, this ridiculous moment where they, they had to kind of sneak and hide around. But the truth is, man, the disciples, they understood the need for the secrecy because they all knew there was this growing momentum to have Jesus arrested. And, and what's more, he kept talking about his death. Like, that's weird, right? Like, he, he, kept, he kept talking about his death, and then one of us, his name's Judas. Man, he's really acting strange. <laughs> Judas has been acting weird lately. So, so he, here's, the, here's the scenario, right? They had all this certainty that they had grown familiar with, the popularity, the, the people chanting and cheering Jesus' name, and all of a sudden, all of that certainty that they had grown familiar it was gone. It it, it was just gone. And on this evening, they had more questions than they had answers. And as they gathered for this meal, 
things got really tense. If you have a Bible, I want you to open it up to Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14. Today's passage really probably works better before Easter, but I think it's really going to hit home right where we're at in this season. Mark chapter 14 verses, uh, let's, let's start with verse 17 and we'll go all the way through verse 26 eventually. You know how, you know how we roll here at VC. So Mark chapter 14, here we go. When evening came, Jesus arrived with the 12. While they were reclining at the table, he said, truly, I tell you, one of you will betray me. Now, since Jesus was never wrong, you know that got their attention. Like this didn't come as good news. They're like, wait a second, wait, wait, one of us is going to betray you? And Jesus goes on. He says, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. Verse 19, they were saddened, right? Disappointed. And one by one, they said to him, surely you don't mean me? Now, come on, I want you to notice something here. Nobody said, Jesus, what are you talking about? Jesus, what are you even, like, betray you to whom, Jesus? Because they knew. They had heard the rumors. They knew something was up. They were just hoping it, they were hoping two things. One, it's not me. And two, maybe it won't really happen. Maybe this is the time when Jesus will be wrong. But they knew. They knew the moment Jesus started heading towards Jerusalem that something was up. They even described it. They, they were like, it, it was like he was walking into a trap. And so Mark continues going. Verse, verse 20, he says, It is one of you, Jesus says, one who dips bread into the bowl with me. The Son of Man will go. The Son of Man will depart. He'll leave. He'll, he'll withdraw just as it is written about him. But woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. Now, let's pause right there because most of what we find in this book was written in an environment of extreme uncertainty. Most of what was written in this book, this, this book is not filled with like good messages for a world that we don't live in. Like, it's not just feel-good messages, if that makes sense. It's, it's stories of, of great trial, of, of difficulty, of shipwrecks, of, of betrayals, of, of, of famine. It's all of this, this real life stuff. And in here, we find God actively speaking and directly, directly moving in uncertain times. Come on, think about it. Those of you who are familiar with the Bible, let's just go through kind of a, a bunch of stories. Think about Joseph. You know, Joseph and the amazing Technicolor dream coat. Joseph and the dreams and all of that. Joseph found himself one day in the bottom of a pit as he listened to his brothers argue whether or not they were going to sell him or kill him. 
right? Like Joseph is in the bottom of the pit and he hears, well, should we sell him or should we kill him? Well, I say kill him. Well, I say sell him. Well, I think we should kill him. Well, we're going to sell him. Well, all right, we'll sell him. We'll sell him to those people right there. Now, I know some of you have had some serious sibling rivalry. And I know some of you, you know, you, you got in trouble because your brother did that thing and you got grounded for it and you didn't get a play in the ball game and or, or, or your sister stole your sweater and wore it and got the big stain on it and, you, and you've had your fights. I don't think you've had a fight like Joseph had. And yet what we discover in this book is that God was with him the whole time. Man, think about David. Think about King David, anointed king over Israel, and yet he's on the run because Saul wants to take his life. And then, and then that all gets worked out. Like that, that gets, you know, figured out. And David's on the throne and everything's going fairly well. He's had his moments and he's been restored. And, but then one morning he wakes up to the rumor that his own son was conspiring against him. And so the king who was on run in the past has to go on the run again. And yet we discover, guess what? God was right there. Think about Moses. Think about Moses' mom. This frightened mom wraps her baby in a blanket and puts him in a basket so that Egyptian soldiers don't kill him. It's as if Moses' mom thought, well, if it's the crocodiles or the soldiers, I'll take my chances with the crocodiles. And then, of course, you know, oddly enough, Mary, the mother of Jesus, centuries later, Centuries later, we see another mom fleeing with her son, escaping the sword of a tyrant ruler. Except this time, instead of running from Egypt, she runs to Egypt. Think about the Apostle Paul. Man, he knew God had called him. He knew he was anointed by God. And yet there he sat in a Roman prison. And, and from there... He writes, he writes letters about what to do when the, God, when, the, when the promises of God don't seem to be coming true, don't seem to be active and working in your life. Come on, friend, like, like if there was ever a time to pick up this book or to pull out the app, version app on your phone, it's right now. The Bible is the perfect place to go in times of uncertainty. Because it's filled with story after story after story of God's people facing uncertain times and discovering that not only, not only is God not absent, he's, he's, he's diligently working and accomplishing his will in the world and in the lives of those that he loves. You see, it's in these pages, we are reminded time and time and time again that he's still got the whole world in his hands. And we're challenged. We're challenged to trust him, even when it's hard to find him. We're challenged to lean in and trust him, even when it's hard to understand what he's doing. So let's, let's go back to, to the story we started with, Jesus, Mark chapter 14. Because we know the, how the story ends, 
And because of that, these next few words are so significant. But for the disciples, it was almost as if they, they completely lost the significance because of the darkness of the situation. Look at this, verse 22. While they were eating, Jesus took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take it. This is my body. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many, he said to them. Right, Jesus is, Jesus is foreshadowing the event that, that will be celebrated for the next 2,000 years plus, depending on how long it is until he returns. He's, he, 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 it's this worldwide movement that gets launched right here. God, God is making his move on behalf of the whole world. Everything is changing, but everything for the disciples seems to be moving backwards and seems to be going dark. And so they, they leave that room and they, they, they go on a walk, <laughs> Like, like many of you have in the midst of coronavirus, you've left your house and you've gone on a walk because you've got to get outside and get some fresh air. So Jesus takes his friends, his disciples, and they, they head to a garden. But while they're there, Jesus tells them basically, hey guys, it's going to get worse. Verse 27, he says, you will all fall away. <laughs> Jesus told them, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. Verse 28, but after I, after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Come on, now he's, now he's referring to the event, y'all, that will literally change everything. He's talking about the resurrection. He's talking about Easter. He's talking about new life. He's talking about hope dawning in, in, in the world. But for the disciples in this moment, Man, this moment was so dark. It was so dark that they couldn't see or find hope. So come on, like, here's, here's the question. Here's the question I think we all have to answer right now in this season. In the, in the middle of such personal uncertainty, in the middle of national uncertainty, all of the conversation. When are we going to be able to reopen? What about the economy? What about, what about our, like, are we ever going to go back to normal? Is this going to be one of those moments like before and after? What about, what about the uncertainty of my physical health? Man, there's so many of us. You go to the store, everybody's got masks on. You don't know who's infected and who's not. And it's all of this uncertainty. So in the middle of all of the uncertainty, here's the question we've got to answer. Is it possible that God is still active even when there seems to be an absence of his activity? Come on, that's the question. We've got to, we've, come on, we've got to wrestle this question down. Is it possible that God is still active active. He's still accomplishing his purposes. He's still moving even when there seems to be an absence of his activity. Come on, we can, we can say it a different way. Is it possible that God is still active in your world even when there seems to be an absence of his activity? And your answer to that question and my answer 
to that question. It's going to determine how we respond to this, to this season of uncertainty. You know, I think if we interviewed the disciples, I think if we, if we had the opportunity to sit down with Peter or, or John and, and just ask them and say, hey, Peter, tell me about the darkest hours of your life. John, John, tell me about that. Tell me about the time where it all seemed hopeless. Uh, Nathaniel, would you, would you tell us about the time when you were most stressed out, most uncertain? I think every one of them would say, y'all, it was, it, it was this time right here. When we were walking with Jesus in that garden and they came to arrest him. Man, it, the darkest time of my entire life, it, it was those hours right there. But then if we followed it up and said, well, why don't you tell us about Tell us about the time when you felt like God was accomplishing his greatest work. Andrew, tell us about the time where God was growing your faith the most. James, James, tell us, tell us when it felt like God was supercharging your maturity. And I think they would all agree it was the same hours. It was the, it, it, it was the beginning of three days of despair for the disciples, but it was also the heart of God's plan for redeeming the whole world. So here's the takeaway. Here's the one thing I want you to remember. If you don't remember anything else in today's message, this is the one thing you need to write down and put it on your refrigerator. When life is uncertain, God is not. When life is uncertain, God is not. In fact, he still got the whole world in his hands. And when we can see that God is working through, that he's working in all of the undesirable circumstances, listen, even the circumstances that we bring on ourselves, I'm not saying that we brought coronavirus on ourselves. I'm not trying to say that, okay? But there are times, you might be watching this at a later time, two, two years, three years from now. Even the, even the undesirable circumstances that we bring on ourselves, if, if we can see that God is working in the midst of all of that, there comes this, this sense of purpose, y'all, there comes this sense of peace that passes our ability to understand. And I know what some of you are thinking right now. You're thinking, Pastor Josh, that sounds great, bro. Like that's, man, that's a really good word, but, but that's not going to get me a new job. You, you don't understand. I had to file employment, unemployment last week and and man, I can hold on to that word, and that sounds really great, but how's that going to pay my bills? Or you might be saying, like, how's that going to keep me from getting sick? I'm an essential worker. I have to, like, I'm right on the front lines. How's that going to keep me from getting, from getting COVID-19? How's that going to restore my 401k? I don't have enough years left working to, to bring it back up. What are we going to do now? Well, the first thing I would say is like, hey, it actually might work, right? Like we believe in a God who is a healer, a restorer, a provider, a protector. And, and God has done some amazing things in this season. But also, even if it doesn't go like you hoped it goes, 
Even if it doesn't go like you hope it will go, if you will lean in and you will trust in the middle of the uncertainty, it will allow you to maintain hope and faith. And when you do that, when, when you maintain, when, when you hold on and trust and lean in, it'll let you go to bed at night with the confidence that God has not forgotten you, that God has not abandoned you, and it will motivate you to keep your eyes open, to look for, to look for moments of his grace breaking through and intervening in your life. If you will, if you will lean in, to, to, to him and to your faith, it'll keep you from leaning in directions that's only going to make things worse. If you will, if you will trust and, and let your faith grow, it'll protect you from despair and hopelessness and fear. Because remember, when life is uncertain, God is not. He's still got the whole world in his hands. As we wrap up this morning, I want, to, I want to close with this because I, I, I get it, man. I, I know what you're saying again. You're like, hey, that's really easy to say, but it's another thing to live. And you know what? You're right. It's, it's easy for me to say. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let somebody else have the final words in this message. Somebody who's gone through some stuff, and he wrote two different passages that I think are really important for us to look at right now. The first one comes in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 27. This is the Apostle Paul writing to us, and here's what he says. He says, I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. He says, five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I've been shipwrecked and I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been, on, I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled, and I have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst, and I have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Man, if there's anybody that knows about uncertain times, it's Paul, right? Like it's this guy. But this same guy, this same guy, after all of this, after, after the beatings, after the lashings, after the shipwrecks, this guy, Romans 8, 28, he says, we know. Come on, y'all. Listen to Paul. He said, we know that in all things, come on, Paul, are you serious? All, we know that in all things, we know that all things work together for good. All things. Paul, what, Paul, what about those shipwrecks? Yeah. Yeah, those too. 
Paul, come on, Paul, you can't mean all things. Paul, what about those times you were beaten with rods? Paul, what about that time they stoned you and left you for dead? That, and Paul would say, yeah. And he may say, I don't know how, and I didn't know in the moment how God was going to do it. But I can tell you I've been through it, and I can testify that all things work together for good for those who love God, for those who are called according to his purpose. Come on, y'all. Now is not the time to lose hope. Now is not the time to give up. Now's not the time to throw in the towel. In fact, now might be the time that God is actually doing his deepest work in your life and my life. So come on, he's still got the whole world in his hands. And if we can trust him in this moment, we'll see him do something in us that we could never imagine. Let me pray for you this morning. God, we thank you for this opportunity to be here on Church Online. And I pray for each and every person who's, in, who, who's, who's participating with us and watching with us online, on Facebook, YouTube, Church Online. I pray today, God, that they would catch a glimpse that all things work together for those who love you, God. So today, increase our love, God. Today, open our eyes to see your grace working. Let us move forward in faith and confidence that you've got the whole world in your hands. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. We always appreciate hearing how God is moving in your life. We all have a story to tell and we'd love to hear yours. Please visit verticalchurch.tv and click on the little pencil icon called Amen Corner to tell us your story. Also, if you'd like to support the ministry of Vertical Church financially, you can do so by clicking the giving link at verticalchurch.tv. Thank you again for taking the time to join us as we point those far from God to life in Jesus.